Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. Well, I'm honestly surprised so many of you came back. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we are talking about a rather impolite topic, money, M-O-N-E-Y, your finances, and we're talking about that in church, which is double tricky, because when I was growing up, I was always taught that polite people don't talk about three things in the presence of strangers. You don't talk about God. You don't talk about money, and you don't talk about sex. I honestly would rather talk about the third one than this. But that's not our feature of our series here on margin or restoring extra reserves to overdrawn parts of our lives. When it comes to God and money, the two are actually more connected than we are like to believe. A full 15% of everything Jesus ever taught is actually on the subject of money and your possessions. That's more than heaven and hell combined. And when it comes to this idea of financial margin, the Bible actually begins with a very counterintuitive truth. If you want to start saving, you will need to start giving. If you want to start having more, you will actually need to give away more. The truth is that building margin into your life actually begins with giving God the first fruits. And that sounds funny to many of us who are maybe strapped with debt or you're struggling financially because we think, well, the reason I'm strapped is because I already give away too much in the first place. I need to figure out a way to keep more, not give more. Yet last week we learned actually that giving back to God first is one of the ways that we thank him and actually invite his power into our lives. Let's just stick with thanking him to begin with. Um, We kind of timed this series to coincide with Thanksgiving because giving is one of the ways we show thanks. We express gratitude. Speaking of which, how many of you had a good Thanksgiving? You celebrated on Thursday, okay? How many of you are still stuffed? You had to like let out your belt a little bit, right? Uh, Actually, curious. How many of you actually still have leftovers? Like this weekend, you actually still ate leftovers. Okay. Leftovers are a big deal in our house. Uh, we typically eat late on Thanksgiving, usually like around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, and most of us like have seconds. We kind of uncinch the bell, another seconds. And then we like push away from the table, flop down on the couch. Then around 4 o'clock, we go back for like thirds. And then around 8 o'clock, it's like, time for turkey sandwiches. And this is like Colleen's specialty, and she like, you know, makes toast, and she puts, she smears, you know, cranberries in it, stuffing, turkey, all mashed together. And we eat these things at like 9.45 at night, you know, like, perfect. We love leftovers in our house. So I was amused to see this article in the paper, 52 recipes for leftover turkey. They wanted to give you 52, one for each week of the year. They said, if you have enough, you can eat turkey every week. And it went from like your standard turkey sandwich on toast to like turkey tetrazzini to the final one is kind of like turkey pizza. This was disgusting. It was actually featured by, you know, Rachel Ray, like on the Food Channel. Um, she, it was a pizza made with bobbly crust and she spread cranberry sauce all over it. And then put hunks of leftover turkey and peas on it. Just nasty, you know. <laughs> 52 recipes for leftovers so you could eat turkey every week of the year. And I like turkey and all, but it got me thinking. Who really wants leftovers week after week after week? And yet, that's exactly what many of us offer God, isn't it? Week after week after week. Our leftovers. Our financial last fruits, not the first fruits. Instead of actually offering him a tithe or a tenth, the fruits of our income as a way of saying thanks, we offer him a a tip. What's left over after we spend it for ourselves? It was interesting, adjacent to that Turkey article was an article on the phenomenon known as Black 
Friday. You know this one? Saw this on Friday. JCPenney, Kohl's, Walmart, all the big box stores opened up at 4 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving. And it was amazing because the pictures on the front page said all these lines started forming. This is actually around 3 a.m. Because they, they, the discounts on HDTVs, appliances, like 30% off, two-for-one deals on clothing, Xboxes for kids. They had this picture of people standing in line. The weather is in the 20s in the Midwest here. Because it was like they couldn't just wait to give their money away fast enough. Just to ring up those cards, all in the, in the attempt to save, right? And when you get up at like 3 a.m. to like stand in line, that's a pretty decent measure of where your mind's at, where your heart is. And it's called Black Friday for a reason. Because the stores hope that we spend so much that they will go in the black while we go in the red. Black Friday is the number one day for credit card spending in the entire year nationwide. That one day accounts for 5% of all total holiday spending. 5%. Now contrast that. Because while you see a lot of people you know, getting in line to, to give and, and get their stuff, you don't see a whole lot of people kind of lining up at church to give back to God, do you? Not so much. <laughs> See, after we've been to Macy's and Kohl's and Target and Nordstrom's, whatever your economic level is, we offer God mainly our leftovers. But last week, we said that if we truly want to trust God to lead us into this life of financial margin, where we actually not only have enough, but more than we need, we actually have some left over, we actually need to begin by offering him our first fruits, not our leftovers. That's the foundation for giving presented in the book of wisdom, Proverbs in the Bible. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The idea of giving back the first 10% of, to God is one of the ways we actually honor God and invite his blessing into this area of our lives that we typically keep closed off. See, contrary to Black Friday thinking, Black Friday thinking is like, get thee to the mall and charge it. God says, no, 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 no. Go first to my storehouse and give it. Invest in my kingdom and then all that other stuff will be added to you as well. See, we discovered last week, we took a survey of the Bible and said, God actually owns everything. He's the owner of it all. That's the perspective the Bible gives. All the way through the Old Testament to the New, the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Everything under heaven belongs to me, says God in Job, right? The silver is mine. The gold is mine. The HDTV is mine. Your M&Ms are mine. Everything. <laughs> and his Bible is pretty emphatic that God's role is actually one word, owner, over everything. And our role is as his money manager. Last week, we gave out M&Ms to everyone here to kind of represent your money, right? And we said, well, everything on earth is God's. This is ultimately everything comes from him and originates at his blessing. He actually, because he's a generous God and it is in his character to share, to give, he actually trusts us with some. Some get a lot, some get a little, some wish they had more. <laughs> and when God says, as a way, though, of acknowledging my ownership over everything, because I own it all, I would like you to do something. I would like you to give back to me the first fruits of what I've given you as a way of saying, God, everything I have is from you. I give you my prime cut. I don't want your leftovers. I want your first fruits, which is why he invites us to tithe. Or return that first tenth back to him. That's how it's put it in Leviticus. It said a tithe or a tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Tithing is just returning that first tenth to God. So practically speaking, if I had 10 M&Ms, I would give 
one back to God. It's a way of saying thanks, expressing our gratitude, but also acknowledging, hey, he owns everything we've got. It's not a tax. It's not like this is, the, this is how we pay the church electric bill. <laughs> it's not a tip like, oh, I liked it, Tim. You kept things short, so good job there. A tithe, a way of putting God first and saying, Father, will you lead me into a life of financial margin where I actually live on less but experience more? Okay, that's M&M's. Now let's go live. If this were cash, okay, because some of you are like, man, let's talk M&M's. Let's get to the hard stuff. If this were cash, and I only have 10 bucks here, I have 10 singles. It's actually kind of funny. I was like on the way this morning, I was like, where am I going to get 10 singles? I like 5 a.m. in the morning. So I went to Dunkin' Donuts. I was like, can you give me 10 singles? He's like, oh, you're going to a strip club? I was like, no. <laughs> like, this is for church, dude. Come on. <laughs> so if I was for cash, and this was your income, you had 10 crisp singles, it would work this way. God would actually be like, it's not that hard. You got 10 of these. And what I want you to do is give me that first one before anything else, before taxes, anything else. Give me that first 10% back. Bring it back to the storehouse. Right off the top, 10% of your gross income. And then with that second 10%, that the 20%, I want you to save that. We saw how God actually told the Israelites, I want you to, to save in, 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 for the day when you will no longer work. What I call the Sabbath, what you may call retirement, I want you to actually set aside. So you're not living just on 90%, but you're living on 80%. And when we're living at 80%, now we, we don't live in the ancient Middle East. We actually live in, you know, America, which we have a, a nice little government who actually will take then the next, what, 10, 20, 30. Some of you work in the city, 40%, uh, percent, maybe some of you and everything. And it's like, okay, then it goes to the, to the government and everything. And you know, it's, don't, it's like the, the funny thing is, is if you do this God's way, you can't diss the government. Because the government even acknowledges that this is the way it's ordained. Because they actually, the government actually says, you know what, if you do it God's way, that first 10%, we're not going to tax you on. Because you're giving that back to God. That's tax deductible. We, we know that is just literally a spiritual act of worship. And actually that, that second 10% that you're saving, we're not going to tax you on that either. Because that's actually good common sense. We actually want you to be provided for. So we're not going to tax you on that first 20%. But then we're going to take one, two, three, four, you know. And, uh, and you got then the last, you know, three, two or three to live on yourself. And maybe that's your debt, you know. You, you, you pay MasterCard or Citibank. Many of us, $8,000 of debt per person in this room on average. We do that. And, uh, you know, whatever we have left to live on, wherever we live, our car payment, whatever. But through tithing, you see what God's doing? He's literally, it's his way of training his people to live on less than the maximum. And this is antithetical to culture, which says, actually, all 10 of it, that's for you. And you're a fool if you don't spend all 10 of it on yourself. Because you need to go to Black Friday, and if you can't afford that big screen, borrow an extra buck from Lou. Because he's good. He'll give it to you for 1.5% or 17% if you don't pay the late fee. But, you know, God says No. And when we don't prioritize God first, you know what happens? We invert the order of things. And we invite disaster. Because we all of a sudden say, it's all for me, and we begin living without limits. We act as if it's all ours to begin with, and we start living on a, and we, then we spend like it, right? We give that four, four or five, you know, to MasterCard, to Visa, our home, cars, our, what's in our closet. And typically when that's all gone... We only have just a little bit left to give, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I don't know if I got, well, okay, thanks God. God bless you. Thanks for everything. You know what? That's tragic. Because when we give God second place, rather than our first fruits, although we may feel like we're getting more out of our money, we actually end up robbing ourselves. 
You guys who are living without financial margin, you can tell this better than anybody. I mean, you know, you rob yourself of accomplishing any of your financial goals. Some of you are like, goals? What are goals? You know, you, no financial freedom. You rob yourself of ever actually being out of debt. Some of you have never known what it's like to live without debt. You rob yourself of the opportunity of, imagine this, one day actually paying for a car with cash instead of borrowing or leasing or taking on more loans. You rob yourself of knowing how you're actually going to pay for your education or, or your kid's education. Because when we put ourselves first in our natural quest for bigger, better, shinier, and, and newer, we're the loser. Because when we live without God-ordained limits, without margin, and we live with the pressure of trying to figure out how we're going to pay for all this stuff. And when we look into the future, we're not hopeful. We actually just feel fear. Because we worry and we wonder how, how we're going to do this. And, and then we don't rob ourselves financially. Then we start robbing ourselves emotionally. Because where there's no margin, there is no peace. There's only worry and stress. You know this. It doesn't have anything to do with the amount of money you have. It's about what you spend. Because the more money you have, actually, the more you're tempted to spend. And margin is not about income. It's about lifestyle. And when we max out and forgo that mandated margin, that's what the tithe is. We live with pressure. And you know what? We bring it right into our relationships. We rob ourselves relationally. We bring it into our relationships and marriage, constantly in conflict, arguing over dollars, and you live with this constant friction over money because there's always something like vying for number one priority. And you know it. You know how you feel. I've had people say this to me. You're like, you know, I, I live, you live in a nice place. You're like, I live in a really nice place, and I, and I drive a really nice car. And you know what? I make more money than my parents ever did. And why then am I so stressed out? Why am I so unhappy? Why does it feel like there's this constant black cloud over us when it comes to the dollars? Why? Because when you prioritize yourself first, you're spending your lifestyle over God, you rob yourself. Financially, emotionally, relationally, and most significantly, spiritually. See, Scripture says that when we forego mandated margin, which is what the tithe is, we don't just rob ourselves, we actually rob God as well. Malachi 3, verses 7 through 10, that was a wake-up call for many of us last week. If you remember, we saw how the Israelites kind of abandoned God. They actually put their trust in, in wealth and affluence, and it resulted in kind of just national ruin. They actually went in back into bondage, in exile, and it created this distance in their relationship from God. And in Malachi, just before the Old Testament ends, this is the last page in the entire Old Testament, God makes this last-ditch effort to reach out to his people and invite them back into relationship. And he says, return to me, and I'll return to you. And they say, but how? How are we to return to you? And he says this in verse 8. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And you see, God's like inviting his people who just forgot him back into relationship. He's like, return for me. And, he's, and they're like, how, how do we return? He's like, well, how about this for starters? How about stop robbing me? It's like, wait, what? Wait, I mean, robbing God? Like, say, what? Stick him up. In tithes and offerings. See, your checkbook always tells the story of your heart. And first fruit giving was no longer a priority for them. Their hearts had forgotten God. And so they stopped, consequently, bringing the first fruits. So your checkbook always tells the story of where your heart is. And God says, you're actually robbing me. And, and the Israelites stopped tithing, and, and God says, but here's the deal. It's, it's not all forgotten. It's always about redemption. It's always about second chance. So God says this. He says, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That is, I want you to return a percentage of your first fruits, not your leftovers, to the place where you are fed. The storehouse was part of the Jewish temple where they actually stored resources to pay the priests and actually provide for the needy. 
Our modern day equivalent would be like the local church where you're fed. But here's the deal. God doesn't ask us to tithe because he needs our money. He asks us to tithe because he wants your heart. He wants to think a bigger thought, break the me mentality of life and reestablish our trust in him. See, if you prioritize God and you return that first 10% of your income actually back to him, you're going to actually think, start thinking a new question. You're going to be like, if I put his desires ahead of my own, will I have enough left over? Can he be counted on to provide for me? Will he really lead me into a life of margin of enough, of more than enough? And do you remember God's answer to this question? It was two words. Test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. In other words, bring it on. Test me and see. And this is huge. Because we said this is the only place in the entirety of Scripture, no other place in the Bible, in which God invites us to actually test him. And God says, go ahead and see. Bring it. Test me with the tithe. You honor me with your first fruits, and you just see what I'll do. But then you get ready, because when you begin aligning this area of your life with my purposes, I'm going to do more than meet your modest needs. I'm going to open the, what's the word there? It begins with an F. Floodgates of heaven and pour out into your life so much blessing that you actually will not be able to contain it all. Whoops, sorry. See, the only thing that will be limited is your capacity because your heart is too small to contain all that I actually have for you. And I'm looking for the man or woman who has a heart large enough for my kingdom. Could they be trusted? Test me. See if I can be tested. I'm going to test you. Can you? You be faithful to me financially. You think I'm going to leave you high and dry? (laughs) You think you won't have enough? I got resources you don't even know about. And you're playing penny candy. Give proportionally and you see if margin doesn't increase in your life. See, the the secret is, folks, When we bring our full tithe with open hands to God, God says he opens his hands extra wide to us. He's like, you may be hard-pressed to contain it all. I I want to give you more, but you lack the capacity. How am I going to pour more into into your hands when they're closed like this, when you're walking through life like this? Like, oh, just, you know, these are mine. I, I need you to actually relinquish your grip on your stuff and open your hands if you want to lead me, have me lead you into a life of margin. Test me. Two words. And God throws down the gauntlet. And the Old Testament closes. And so last week, we said we're going to do something crazy. We're going to do it. We're going to be like those wacky people you hear about who take the Bible literally. We're going to be literalists. We're going to take God at his word and test him. And we introduced you to our Thanksgiving tithe challenge last week, which is our daring test of God, in which we invited everyone at Liquid and watching and listening online to bring the full tithe, that is the first 10% of their weekly gross income today 
too liquid? Did you bring an envelope? How many of you brought an envelope with you? We had these out last week. Okay, keep them with you. Awesome. They've got that little yellow sticker on there with those two words, test me. And we asked the question, we said, what could God do in this community if we took him up on his challenge? I mean, this is, now you got to understand, this is a big step. This is a stretch for many of us, okay? And, and, and time out here, okay? If you're new, by the way, if you're like a first-time guest, you need to know many of us are very nervous today, okay? We are not a church that likes to talk about money, okay? I am not a televangelist. Just ignore the hair. Just overlook it, all right? <laughs> but we are serious about taking God at his word, and we believe that God actually has more wisdom than we do when it comes to the stuff. And so this is a first step for a lot of us. This is a big one. Do not underestimate what this will mean for some people today to give. I was talking with a younger couple earlier. They're just getting married. They've got a couple of incomes. And they're like, we can barely make it work, honestly. And this, we are, we are starting to look for a home. And we're like, we know we, we can't even afford the homes we don't like. And we're like, if we do this, you know what this means for us, Tim? There's now even less for a mortgage. But we're going to do this because we're going to ask a new question of God. God, even though we live in the cursed housing market of the Northeast... Can we trust you to bless and provide our choice of housing? We're going to do it. Test me. This is a stretch for many of us, and it's hard. I appreciated reading this one email this week. I think it captures the heart of this challenge. See if you don't resonate with it. This guy was real candid. He said, this tithing message of the margin series was a toughie for my wife and me at Liquid. Financial margin is something we really don't have. And since she handles our finances, it's on her mind and stressing her out day after day. So this one on tithing really hit home. Going out on a limb with our money to trust God is just not something we've done, though theoretically we have wanted to. After Sunday's message, we went home and talked. Okay, fine, we argued. And we finally came to a point where we basically threw up our hands and said, well, screw it. Our way just hasn't been working. I told you, it's just honest. God was working through liquid to virtually triple dog dare us to test him in this area, so we decided to do it all out. I am surprised at how foolish and irresponsible it actually feels to give away more money than we already do. We feel so stretched as it is. But we want to really test God. And while I'm a dedicated follower of Christ, I have to admit to you here and now that despite myself, I have doubts whether God will come through. I guess I'm not the spiritual rock I thought I was. So we did the math. And we realized that if we're going to tithe without cutting corners and totally test God, the amount we had to give was double what we normally give. Double! I can't believe it. I hadn't realized what a shyster I'd been. I mean, talk about robbing God. But I'm here to tell you, with two incomes, honestly, tithing, 10% pre-tax, S-U-C-K-S, socks. To add insult to serious financial injury, my wife works out our budget in such a way that our monthly tithe works out better for us. And so we decided to do the entire month's tithe all at once on Thursday. God help us. We're thankful that Liquid is a place where we can be about our struggles, open about our struggles and doubts, even as committed Christians. We all have our struggles and doubts when it comes to this, folks. And tithing is a step of faith. Make no doubt about that. This is, this is a step of faith. And I loved what he said. I loved what he said because he wasn't being sarcastic. When he said, God, help us. Exactly. If you tithe, you will need God to help you. You will be in a place of dependence, won't you? Exactly 
where God wants you. So maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you're not paid a lot, but you're, you're talking to one of them. And, uh, and they were like, I'm actually, t- I tithe, but I'm taking the challenge to move from my net income to my gross income. It's like a huge step for me. I don't make a lot. You know, I work, you know, come on, you know, working for the state. I believe, though, it's important to God. And I'm going to move up this, this fall actually from, from just kind of like chipping in to actually sacrificing first fruits. And that's a sacrifice. And it's a test. And the question is, will God provide? Test me with that tithe. You can wait and see. See, this can start at any level, folks. You don't need a home. You don't even need a job to start. I was talking to one student after the service last week, and he said, I'm actually going to start tithing next week, Tim, on my, on my hourly stipend. He gets a stipend from like the university where he goes. And he's like, I have educational loans out the wazoo. <laughs> he goes, and this is going to take me a lot to pay off, but I get it. I want to invite God's blessing on my finances from the very beginning. Remember, it's about your attitude. It's not about the amount. And it's like, you know what that may mean? He's like, honestly, for me to do that, he goes, that may not mean, it may mean I don't buy the white stripes box set this Christmas (laughs) and actually prioritize God over my music collection. Whoa! It was a sacrifice. Test me. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. As a church as a people who want to open up this closed-off area of our lives to God's influence. We are bringing the whole tithe and asking a new question, what if? What might God do through us if we honor him first? And again, if, if it's your first time here, you might be at this point like, kind of like what did I just like walk into? Uh, are you going to be passing out Kool-Aid next? What's happening here? You know, like... Dude, please do not feel obligated to participate. This is part of a growth experiment we are doing as a church. The people who are regularly fed here or online, you if you are our guest, okay? There is no guilt. There is no pressure. Your presence, just being here, that is your gift to us, okay? We are not after your money. Believe me. What we are after is more of God in our lives. And so we're starting with our finances. And, and I'll admit, it is very easy to be cynical about that. Because you may be, honestly, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are kind of like, oh, oh, sure. Okay, I see, right. The pastor wants us to give back to God. So, of course, that means giving to his church. What a surprise. I mean, of course you encourage tithing because it benefits you. These letters might as well say T-I-M, right? Well, good, enjoy. (laughs) And you know what? I understand your cynicism. It's actually one of the reasons I used to avoid talking about money at all costs. See, I came of age in in the era of Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger. All all those sharks on TV who said, God's going to bless you as long as you bless me, my ministry first. So send your money in. So I avoided preaching about tithing or money like the plague early on. Always afraid that it would always just kind of seem self-serving. But you know what I discovered? When something has been abused or exploited or manipulated or distorted in our culture, whether it's money or sex, for instance, the answer is not to not talk about it. Silence is not a corrective to popular abuses because people are then just left with negative distortions and we miss out on God's original intention as a blessing. Sex was given as a blessing and the world distorts and perverts it and exploits it. And so now the church doesn't say anything about it because it's perverted. And and, oh, oh, God's like sex, gift, tithing, money, totally abused, oh, manipulated, extorted, but it's a gift. I give tithing to you as a gift to bless you. God wants to bless you. That's the literal truth of his word. That's the big idea of Malachi 3. 
He's like, surrender this area of your life to my influence and trust me, test me to lead you in life of margin. But see, there's more. When he says, when he invites us to tithe our first fruits, it's not just so the local church can pay the bills. That would be to miss the heart, the beauty of what God's training us to do here. So if you dig a little deeper into this, uh, this concept of storehouse tithing, that word, you discover something absolutely beautiful. That word storehouse in ancient Hebrew culture, it literally was this giant warehouse. It actually was almost like a silo that was adjoined to the Jewish temple. And it's where the Israelites actually literally brought their grain, their fruit, their crops, and they, they literally poured it like into the silo, into the storehouse. And that went first to pay the priests who led worship there. But then, do you know where the entire surplus went to? Feeding the poor. In fact, feeding three groups of people. The widow, who had no economic power or status whatsoever, because they're living in patriarchal culture. The orphan, the fatherless. You have no father, you have no family name, you are forgotten. And the destitute, the immigrant, the ones who are on the margins of society, who actually everyone says, you're a non-person. The widow, the orphan, the destitute. So catch this. God was training his people to use their surplus, their margin, their extra, to pour into their local community, into the lives of people who couldn't possibly pay them back. That is the heartbeat of storehouse tithing. You give back to the local church of Jesus Christ because the local church is God's instrument for meeting the needs of the neediest people in this world. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's not about us just simply feathering our own nest. Through storehouse tithing, God's trying to, he's like, I'm trying to get you people to think a bigger thought. Who have I strategically put you into a relationship with that I can actually use your margin, all the extra left over in your life to actually meet their needs? See, the reality is, folks, whenever God blesses us financially, maybe he pours into your life. Some of you are living great lives of abundance right now. Whenever he pours and raises our standard, prospers us, he doesn't do it to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. Investing into the lives of people who can't possibly pay us back. Which is why this is the perfect time for our tithe challenge here at Liquid. Because this December we're going to do something we have never done before. We are going to tithe as a church. Not just as individuals, but tithe as an entire church to people in our community who can't possibly pay us back. And I am like so, I am so pumped about this because in the more, there was this, it was like the Holy Spirit's electricity. I can't wait to see what God does. Assuming that God does what he promises, right? Which is to pour out more blessing actually into our storehouse here than we can actually contain, that we actually would have surplus among us. As a church, we are going to make three strategic investments in this community that will make a world of difference in, in, in people's lives this Christmas. The first is that we have formed a partnership with a Christian organization called Arms Around Morristown. And this Christmas, they are giving us the privilege of adopting 20 of the poorest families in Morris County and treating them to a real Christmas for the first time in their lives, one they wouldn't be able to afford themselves. Each of the 20 families that we adopt are living at or below the poverty line. Some of you might know this um, Morris County is the sixth most affluent county in the entire United States. All right, catch, catch that? 
Our church is planted in the center of one of the most affluent counties in the most affluent state. New Jersey actually leapfrogged over Connecticut in in per capita wealth just last year. In the most affluent nation in the history of civilization. Translation, we live in Oz. It's part of the problem. Our outlook is so skewed by the relative affluence of our neighbors, our environment. But here's the reality. Out of 170,000 families living here in Morris County, over 14,000 are living at or below the poverty line, which for a family of four is $20,650 a year. Can you make a go of it, a family of four, on $20,000 a year? And so what we're doing is adopting 20 of the poorest families this Christmas who are at that line or below it who arms around Morris and they're working with social service agencies identified. And we will be giving gift vouchers for every man, every woman, and every child in those families. That's about an average of actually about four people per family. Some families have eight, some have two. It averages out to four. And they're very diverse. Some of them are single-parent households. Some of them are inner-city urban families. And some of them, honestly, probably live next to you, more mainstream than you realize. I was speaking with the arms around Morristown director uh, last week, and he told me, he's like, Tim, you don't... Some of them are typical families living, they go to your schools, suburban neighborhoods. So he told me about this one family where actually, you know, kind of just, you know, working to get by and the father's in the National Guard and he got called to Iraq. So he actually had to leave his job, no longer gets a paycheck there. He's in the National Guard, he doesn't get as much as the army and he's over in Iraq serving for two months. So they got no income coming in and a health emergency happens with one of the kids and now they are teetering on the edge of that 20,000 poverty line while, they're, while, while the father's over there serving. It's like you, 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 and one of the challenging things about living in poverty in such an affluent area is that, the, you know, the kids, they, they, they always are confronted with how much less they have. They go to the same schools as everybody else, but the clothes, the iPods, the gear, it's always in their face. And so at Christmas, many of these parents, they feel the weight of not being able to provide. And so we're going to give them Christmas. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tell them, you know what? You may feel forgotten. God hasn't forgotten. And now there is a church. And we're going to adopt you. And we're going to pour into your life out of the blessing that God's given to us. And, and you know, those gift vouchers, they're not going to change these, their lives per se, okay? But it's going to allow each mom and dad, in some cases, the opportunity of providing an actual memorable Christmas for his or her family this year. Now, here's what's cool. This is kind of neat. Um, Arms Around Morristown is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's led by followers of Jesus. They share the vision for being Jesus' hands and feet in a tangible way. Uh, and they literally do it totally volunteer. 100% of everything we give, there is no administrative, there is no, nothing. 100% actually goes literally every penny to those 20 families we adopt. And when I spoke with the director, I was like, you know, I think we can commit to 20 families. We haven't really budgeted for this, but we're going to do this tithing challenge. And we are trusting that God's going to do something here. And he's like, well, dude, if you can't make 20 families, and we're like, I'm hoping maybe we can do more than 20 families. Because this is an incredible opportunity. Their values are incredible, actually. It's, it's, about, it's about honoring the dignity, actually, of people. Because this isn't like, like, oh, a handout. Oh, they help the poor people. No. We want those families to have the dignity, the parent, of shopping and buying for their kids themselves. That's why you give them vouchers rather than pulling up with like a boatload of presents. Here we are. To help. No. We want to ease the worry for them of how they're going to make Christmas happen for their families and actually allow them to experience, imagine this, some financial margin at the time of year where the strain of have-not-ness is particularly acute. Dignity is a big deal here, Okay. As is diversity. Again, some single-parent families, some inner city, some are your neighbors. They go to the same schools, live next door. But here's the cool part. We get to deliver it directly to them. With their, discreetly, at their approval, 
and establish connection and perhaps, just perhaps, even begin relationship. Most amazing thing is uh, they did this at something similar to this at Thanksgiving. It's like it was amazing. Not only were they thankful, they invited us into their homes, and we were like, "Can we pray for you?" And they're like, "Yes, yes, please do." Clearly, you're from God. Yeah, we were just. Well, could you tell them that we really could? And it was amazing. They said that is an incredible privilege. See, one of the things we believe God is going to bless as we bring the whole tithe is to use our surplus to meet the needs of people who can't possibly pay us back. Tithing can be a beautiful thing if you capture the heart of it. So the reality is, I told you, statistics report that one-eighth of all evangelical Christians actually tithe. That is, give 10%. Half claim to. But when income is compared against tax records, one in eight actually do. But now I want you to think about this. You math types, listen up. This is your moment, okay? If all the adults in this congregation, okay, on on, on a monthly basis, we estimate that we have an average of 800 unique adults who come through these doors, okay? If 800 adults in this congregation gave 10%, tithe 10%, at the poverty line, some of you are at the poverty line, Some of you are above the poverty line. But if we all tithe at the poverty line, do you know how much we would have in our storehouse to help these families? 1.7 million dollars if we tithed at the level of poverty. Think a bigger thought. As you might imagine, $1.7 million more than covers our costs as a church. Actually, hundreds of thousands to serve people who have nothing. That's what would happen if this room tithed at the poverty line. Now, check this. Because obviously, most of us do not live at or below the poverty line. Thank God for that. He has blessed many of us. We just thanked him for this this week. But 21000 is the poverty line. Does anyone know what the self-sufficiency wage is for a family of four? $56,000. In other words, the government says, family of four, living here in Oz, this moment, $56,000, you can make a run of it in New Jersey with a family of four. Now, I know some of us make less than fifty-six grand. some of us make more, but now track with me. If all 800 adults here at Liquid, in this room, tithe 10% at the self-sufficiency wage... Of $56,000. Do you know how much that would give us to steward? $4.5 million. What could God do with us through that? How many more families could he help? Maybe not just at the holidays, but actually in a more systemic way, actually getting to the root of the issue. See, when God invites, you see, when God invites us to tithe, he's like, think a bigger thought, because your little, your little M&Ms, I got what I can do. This was the heartbeat of the tithe in the Old Testament. I'm going to use your surplus, your margin, to provide for those who have nothing. And, and, and this stuff drives me batty because I start thinking, what if? You know, I love thinking what if questions. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what if? God? What if Liquid became known as more than just like a fast-growing church? Words getting out. Have you noticed this? I mean, Liquid gets slapped with a lot of adjectives. But what if, what if we became known as like, like they are promiscuously generous, okay? Fastest to help. 
where there is a need. I mean, one thing's for sure, that, 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 that new church in Morristown, I don't know if it's a cult, but they are radically generous. They live counterculturally. It is the most craziest thing. They don't actually share their beds, but they share their money. Just the opposite of the world. You know, that was the accusation against the early church, that, that it was a cult. They were like, they're cannibals. They eat the flesh and blood of their master. They're incestuous. They call each other brother and sister. They associate with the poorest of poor, the nobodies. It must be brainwashing, because that doesn't happen in the real world. And you know what the early church did? They actually wiped out poverty in their midst. Everything they had in common. I, I know, I'm talking crazy, I know. But what if? What if? Could God be trusted to exceed our modest investment and multiply the blessings? Anyone want to want to find out? Arms around Morristown. That's where the first fruits of our tithe as a church is going to go. Adopting 20 of the poorest families in our neighborhood this Christmas to let them know God has not forgotten them. And neither have we. Not by a long shot. Our second investment, and I love this, will be in this very building. Not in this, 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 this ballroom, not actually even in the high up, but right here in the headquarters plaza. Because did you, did you know this? There's actually another, another church, another iglesia that has a Sunday service here. La Iglesia Alianza. Some of you know this. There is actually a Spanish, thank you, my pronunciation, I'm getting better, my Spanglish. A Spanish congregation that meets in the movie theaters right here at Headquarters Plaza actually every Sunday morning when we have our services here. It's a wonderful congregation. It's about a hundred plus people or so. It's led by a wonderful Christian pastor by the name of Dean Bracewell and I was talking with him the other day. Many of their congregants tell me first generation immigrants, Honduras, Nicaragua, they share a love for Jesus Christ just like we do and it's very diverse as well, just a matter of scale. And we figured this, we're like, you know, we may not speak the same language but we're in the same family in Christ Jesus, aren't we? We actually have the same blood. And if anything, it is about the kingdom, not turf. See, part of our vision as a church is actually to pour into and encourage other local churches, yes, even those in the same building, because it's not about the kingdom of liquid, it's about the kingdom of God. And actually encouraging others who are reaching people we would never touch in meeting needs. We would never touch in a million years. We don't have a Spanish congregation, nor do we plan to. You know why? Dean and his team are doing too good of a job. And it will be our privilege this Christmas to pour back and actually tithe to them. To provide a special offering to our hermanos y hermanas in Jesucristo. I've been practicing that all day. Thank you very much. But by the way, this is a secret. See, how do you say secret in Spanish? What is un es un secreto? Sound like secrets? I don't know. <laughs> it's a cough, cough lozenge. What does that mean? I don't. Know. Uh, don't sh- do not tell them. This is a secret. This is literally going to be a surprise that we're going to drop on them this December. Okay, so that's, that's the second part. But here's the deal: the, the, the third group of people. You may meet um, some of our Spanish brothers and sisters probably here in Headquarters Plaza. You will meet some of the families who live next to them who are going to bless their arms around Morristown. The third group of people, most of them, you will never meet, and yet they are fed here in this very room every week. Most of them are not local. Some live in other states. Some are half a world away in cities like Melbourne, Australia, Hong Kong. And these are the people who are part of our extended community via our internet campus, the digital venue that we are building for 2008. 
where people all, we don't even know, we're just like, we're trying to keep up with what God is doing here. It boggles us. Every week, 7,000 people listen or watch via podcast or iTunes online. 7,000 every week. Translation, 10 to 1. People who are here versus people out there who are coming here to be fed. And what's coolest to me is not that we're just resonating with, you know, a local church in New Jersey is resonating with different people, but that God is changing lives through what happens in this room, through your gifts, through what's happened, God's doing here every weekend. I want to share with you this email I got yesterday from a guy named Scott, a new friend named Scott. He actually lives down in North Carolina. And I was actually putting the finishing touches on this message when, bing, his email pops up. I guess he's watching last week's message online uh, with our video. And he wrote this. He said, hey, Tim, I just want to thank you a bunch for really showing me that I truly am a money manager. See, I live in North Carolina, but I still haven't found a place to call home yet when it comes to fellowship except for your church, Liquid. Anyway, to make a long story short, after hearing the last two messages on money and margin, after the first one, I was the guy rolling his eyes. See, after receiving my last paycheck, I continued to go on spending about 95% and striving to give, unfortunately, the last fruits instead of the first. Then came today. This is yesterday, Saturday. Saturday morning, after rewatching the M&M sermon again, and not having any first fruits to really give God, thank you, stupid Black Friday, I prayed and asked God to really open my heart and actually stop misusing his money that he blesses me with. Now, check this out. So I walk out to my mailbox this morning and behold, a check from New Jersey Motor Insurance Company is sitting there waiting for me. See, I was a bit confused why this was happening. I canceled the insurance plan over four years ago when I relocated. So what did I do? I drove immediately to the bank, thinking I'm going to cash it and buy more stuff. But then I stopped and prayed. I prayed about it and drove right past the bank to the post office and sent my tithe to my church family here at Liquid for feeding me with more than you can imagine week after week. You guys have blessed my life. And now every week, catch this. This is where it's unlike, what? Me and a group of fellow brothers and sisters in North Carolina get together every week, eat dinner, fellowship, and then away to liquid we go over the computer. They, 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 they listen, and now they, they, watch, they watch online. Hey, what up, you know, what up, Scott, or Steve? Hey, Steve, Steve. It's down south. Hey, y'all, right? You know, we just wanted to thank God for his continued grace in meeting all my needs. And thank you and the Liquid family for your weekly manna that my friends and I gather through the computer. Your brother in Christ, Steve. How incredible is that? I honestly don't know what I'm more shocked by, that he tithed or that there's this group of people down in North Carolina without a church home who gather every week for virtual worship with us here in Morristown. Did you, did you catch that? They eat together, they actually fellowship, and then they watch the message on widescreen on their computer. I'm like, how amazing is that? And folks, we are just starting to like connect the dots here, and we see this as like part of our long-term calling as a church, to leverage what God's given us here in terms of resources, the volunteers, and the gifts that God's entrusted to many of you guys, and literally broadcast the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth via the world wide web. Ends of the earth. 
We aren't even like getting even surprised by this anymore. Each week you get notes from like Australia, London, Singapore. We even get we even we even get mail from like hardcore pagan places like Long Island. I mean, just I it, I'm excited at this moment because it's like it's amazing what I think God is up to as He uses the internet and technology to minister to people who not may not be able to find a local church setting. I told you about my friend Fred. You remember him? He was a tour bus driver. He drives J Lo tour bus. And he wrote us and told us that he listens online. Here's what he wrote. He said, I've been listening for around a year. I live and work on the road around 320 nights a year. Now, that's a job. You and Perry Noble are my church. I've recently started tithing to liquid and feel there's so much more I could do. I just don't know how, working. So I drove by on the loop around New York last week, twice. Now he's kind of stalking us. I I drive a tour bus and just so happen to be in your neck of the woods. I get up there three or four times a year. I just never get to choose when or if I have a day off. I have never attended, but I would give my eye teeth to be able to someday. I just thought I would tell everyone at your church how much you mean to me. Lots. Please keep up the good work and please pray for me. Every Sunday I miss church, but peace of mind comes through God's voice through you. Thanks again, Fred. The coolest thing that happened this summer is in August, Fred actually, he had two bands. He was driving to a gig at Jones Beach. He dropped them off, left the tour bus, rented a car, and actually came to Liquid in August. And uh, here's what he wrote after his visit. Uh, Wow, you guys rock. John Cougar just left the stage, and Neil Young is on now, and all I can think about is Liquid. I'm, <laughs> I'm already looking forward to my next visit. Who knows when, but it's already on my mind. In the meantime, podcasts will have to do. Keep up the good work, and please thank Dave and Mike and the hospitality team for me. Everyone there made me feel right at home. If there's anything you can think of I can do for you or Liquid, please let me know. It would be a privilege to serve. Now, is Fred a part of our church family or not? You bet he is. I mean, I, I encourage every person to, you know, commit to a local church in the area. Nothing substitutes for, for one-on-one personal relationships. But I believe in the next 10 years, the internet is literally going to provide nothing short of a revolution in Jesus' church. Honestly. People are going to come to know Christ for the first time. People are going to take steps growing towards that. Some of them tied, many of them, we will never meet face-to-face. They will be students on college campuses. They will be business people who are traveling. They will be soldiers in the desert. We got something from a guy who's serving in Iraq who listens in podcasts every week in the desert. And so we're going to invest in that too this Christmas. Building the foundation for an internet campus that allows brothers like Steve and Fred to connect where they live and join us on the journey that God has us on. That's an investment. And and I wonder, what could God do if we connected the dots that he seems to be planting? In fact, You want to think a bigger thought? Think about this. If everyone who listened online tithe... (laughs) Go Fred and Steve. Go, guys. That's amazing. amazing. That's amazing. They go to liquidchurch.com. They literally tithe. At the self-sufficiency wage, do you know how much resources God would have at his disposal? How about 39 million dollars if everybody tithed who gets fed here what could god do through that how many more people around the world most of whom we will never meet be changed how many more families and children below the poverty line could be helped permanently for how many more churches could we pour into and encourage and support 
the opportunities are literally limitless. And it could be the investment of a lifetime, one that we take with us. Because remember, Jesus says, he's like, don't, do not, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust break in and, and decay everything. You're, you're, don't, spend, don't just blow it on a car. You live in New Jersey. It's going to get dinged or carjacked anyway. <laughs> store it up in heaven where rust doesn't eat in, thieves don't break in and steal. It's the best investment you can make. Why? Because you know what? We will see Steve and Fred in heaven. And we will see Dean and Juan and Luis and Mariana are hermanos y manos. Every tribe, every tongue in heaven. And those families at the poverty line, when we get to heaven... Jesus will hug us and say, thank you for remembering me, for feeding me, clothing me, visiting me when I was forgotten. We'll say, wait, when did we do this? Whenever you did it, for the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. That's the heartbeat of the tithe. It's not about money. It's about your heart. Investing in the lives of people who you may never meet on this earth. You can't wait to see in heaven. You're my money manager. Everything you have has been given to you by me and I trust you to invest a portion of it with an eternal perspective, with Christ in your heart and eternity in your mind. I'm sorry. And now I've got big hair and I'm crying like a televangelist. I'm sorry. I just... This <laughs> gets me. That's storehouse tithing. And this is our first step. This is why we're doing this tithe challenge here at Thanksgiving. And, and we hope it's going to actually continue through Christmas. We are hoping, I'll be honest with you, that this is habit forming for some of you. That this is the first step, actually, in a new lifestyle of margin, of generosity, a life that God can bless and actually might actually break the grip of greed just in time for the holidays and replace consumption with contentment. And where you start investing in a kingdom that lasts instead of just building your own and believing that God can be trusted to look out for you. Will you take this step? Will you take God up on his challenge? Our leaders are in, our staff is in. Many of you have brought your envelopes, but this, this is a moment for some of you. Because God has riches and resources you know not of. And in your ties with God's help, they can reach farther than you ever dreamed. Test me in this and see. See if I can't be counted on to multiply my blessing first in your life and then in my church and then in the lives of those who have nothing and then in the lives of brothers and sisters around the world you'll only meet in heaven. Test me. I'm going to invite everyone forward with their tithing envelope next minute or so to our M&M altar that we have set up here at the front. And if you need an envelope, maybe you didn't have an envelope with you, you need one, there's one in your bulletin. Um, if you're following online, you get fed here, you can tithe online, that's great at you know, the website. But th- this is not about guilt. 
heart, about manipulation or duty. If you're not there yet, do not feel obligated to participate. As, as I said earlier, if this is your first time with us, your being here is your gift, okay? We're not after your money. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. And this is a step of faith. We're taking it together as a church. Colleen and I are taking it. We are actually going beyond uh, our regular tithe. Um, we had taken a step of you know, giving on our, our gross income, and that was a stretch for us and everything. And we're like, maybe we can go one click up beyond that. And some of you might be in a position to go up beyond even your tithe. And that, that's awesome. And we're doing that because we're like, we want to be used. We want to be stretched. We want to see what God will do through all of us. And we're going to incorporate this into our closing worship. So as Jan and the team uh, lead us in, in this closing song, I want to invite you to come forward. We'll start with the first rows, and you just come down the center aisle, and you can just drop your, your envelope on the table, or you can put it in the, uh, I don't know, M&M jars there. It's actually kind of amazing. At an earlier service, good. I'm sorry, this is what gets me worked up. This little boy, he's three years old, he comes forward. And he got an M&M container this week, and he filled it with his change. And he put it on that altar. It's not about amount. It's nothing to do with that. It's all about attitude. You're simply returning to your father a portion of what he's entrusted to you. Can you trust him? Can he trust you? Let's, Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's stand together and pray. Jesus, thank you. We just thank you. We thank you, God. Thank you for Everything that we have, Lord, everything that we have is from you. It is yours. We acknowledge you. You're the giver of life. Lord, you love this world so much that you gave your son for our salvation, and now you've entrusted to us, and you've invited us to be givers, Lord, in your image. Lord, we want to we do more, Father. We want more than just grim duty or obligation or guilt, Lord. We want joy. We want to know what it's like, Lord, to really actually store up treasure in heaven. So I ask that you're going to use, Lord, these tithes. They're your tithes, Lord. They're modest. They're nothing. God, just use them to literally multiply your kingdom around this world. In the lives of men and women, we'll never meet. Children, we won't know. They'll know you because of you. Do it through your spirit's power. Give yourself all of the glory. And invite us, Lord, into a life of margin and beyond, of kingdom building. We ask you to do it through the name and power of your son, Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen.